Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 152, where we will be picking up in the book of Lamentations as we concluded the book of Jeremiah yesterday. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what to expect from the book of Lamentations. First of all, it is believed very strongly by most people that Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, is the author of the book, and I can see why that would be the case. It's a book of laments, a book of sadness, in many cases, um, you hear the people crying out and whatnot. And so uh, Jeremiah witnessed the death and destruction and desolation of Jerusalem. And so his heart was very heavy with this, th- with this stuff. So we can see why it is believed that he is the author of this book. Let's go over some points in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is the longest lament in the Bible. So it was stand the reason that that's its title, the book of Lamentations. And so it's a book of laments of, of Jeremiah. Uh, with regard to what he has witnessed uh, in Judah. And then it says, um, Lamentations displays the severity of sin and the holiness of God. So we can see that uh, as God pulls, pours out his wrath, uh, that he has poured it out because of the evilness and wickedness of the people. And so uh, God is just and God is holy, and he cannot stand in the presence of sin, and he sees this occurring. And so as a just God, it has to be punished. It has to be dealt with. And so we see that in spades in the book of Lamentations. And and it says, Lamentations gives uh, gives us a voice in suffering. And so, you know, it's not when we cry out to the Lord because of our suffering, you know, that that is not sin. That is not, you know, you would do that with your best friends and whatnot if you're experiencing something that is overbearing and overwhelming. And so um, it gives us a voice. We can see how, you know, this is a prophet uh, crying out to the Lord. We can see how, how he has done this and uh, how his dialogue with the Lord, if you will, with regard to what he has witnessed. It says, uh, Lamentations also provides hope. You know, now, <laughs> I will admit that the hope that it provides is, is really uh, minimized, in my opinion, relative to the anguish that we read about as far as what the people are suffering but hope is there. And then here's one that's not going to be very satisfying. Lamentations doesn't end with resolution. There is no happily ever after here. And so a lot of times we don't get to witness the justice of God. We don't get to witness the righteousness of God. In many cases, we pass on, you know, before that righteousness or justice takes place or before that vengeance is executed. And so we just have to have faith that the Lord says what he means and that his word does not return to him void when he speaks out, you know, against certain things, when he expects certain things, even if we don't witness uh, the things that we want to witness with regard to justice and righteousness and, 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 and those sort of things, you know, levied against people who we, who we think have committed transactions against the Lord, we can, be, we can rest assured that these things will take place. It's just that they take place in his timing, and sometimes his timing is not satisfying to us. But he is God, and we are not, and he does things in his own time and space for his own reasons. And with that, Let's get started with this book. And so uh, chapter one says, uh, Lament Over Jerusalem. And this is, uh, I forget which the other book was, but this is also laid out where um, there is a verse for every um, uh, Hebrew letter in the uh, alphabet. And so it's laid out like that. And so uh, when you read it, I'm not going to say every letter as as I read things out. Uh, But if you go to your Bibles and you will see, 
you know, the heading for each one of these sections is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And I'm not going to read every, um, everything in the book. And so I highly recommend that you take that assignment on because uh, it'll give you a greater scope for the, for the lament that's going on within Jeremiah with regard to his feelings for the people. Chapter 1, how she sits alone, the city crowded with people. She who was great among the nations has become like a widow. The princes among the provinces have been forced, have been put to forced labor. So he's talking about what's happened to, to, to Judah, who was, um, you know, once the apple of the eye of the world, and that is no longer the case. And then uh, verse 3, Judah has gone into exile following affliction and harsh slavery. She lives among the nations but finds no place to rest. <clears throat> All her pursuers have overtaken her in narrow places. We drop down to verse 5. Her adversaries have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease, for the Lord has made her suffer because of her many transgressions. Her children have gone away as captives before the adversaries. So the adversaries have taken the children away. We go to verse um, 8. And it says, Jerusalem has sinned grievously. Uh, Therefore, she has become become an object of scorn. All who honored her now despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns away. She looks at herself essentially in the mirror and doesn't even recognize herself and turns away. Verse 11, all her people groan while they search for bread. They have traded their precious belongings for food in order to stay alive. Lord, look and see how I have become despised. And so again, this is Jeremiah saying, look, you know, Lord, you sent me to do all of this negative prophesying and I'm seeing this stuff before my eyes. Yes, I realize that we deserve it. Yes, I will realize that we have sinned and we have been wicked, but I have become despised because of all of this. And so this is heavy, heavy, heavy on my heart. Let's drop down to verse 18. And it says, the Lord is just for I have rebelled against his command. Listen, all you people, look at my pain. My young women and young men have gone into captivity. And so, you know, you know, Jeremiah is taking all of this on and he's as he's witnessing this stuff. And he's like, this is too much for me to bear, Lord. I mean, I know these people have been wicked, but these are my people. You know, and Lord, these are your people. <laughs> uh, chapter two, it says judgment on Jerusalem. How the Lord has overshadowed daughter Zion with his anger. He has thrown down Israel's glory uh, from heaven to earth. He did not acknowledge his footstool in the day of his anger. Without compassion, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In his wrath, he has demolished the fortified cities of daughter Judah. He brought them to the ground and defiled the kingdom and its leaders. He has cut off every horn of Israel in in his burning anger and withdrawn his right hand in the presence of, of the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire. He has strung his bow like an enemy. His right hand is positioned like an adversary. He has killed everyone who was the delight to the eye, pouring out his wrath like fire on the tent of daughter Zion. Verse 5, the Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He swallowed up all its palaces and destroyed its fortified cities. He has multiplied mourning and lamentation with daughter Judah. Or so he has multiplied it. 
He not only did it, but he multiplied it. He multiplied their mourning and their lamentation. Mm. Let's drop down to verse 12. And the word says, the city, uh, yes, it says, they cried out to their mothers, where is the grain and wine? As they faint like a wound, like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life pours out in the arms of their mothers. So he's he's witnessing babies, <laughs> you know, children. I should say they're not necessarily babies, but he's witnessing children die in the arms of their parents because there is no food because of famine because of the Babylonians seizing the city and and when when uh, when a foreign power would seize a city sometimes they would just isolate that city for months to make sure that that city has run out of supplies and that the people are weak so we're not sure how long this siege lasted uh, let's go to verse 14 and it says your prophets saw visions for you that were empty and deceptive they did not reveal your iniquity and so restore your fortunes. So the word is saying the prophets were lying to you. See, they were prophesying emptiness and they were, they were deceptive in their prophesying because they were prophesying, you know, prosperity and good things that were going to happen. But that's not what I was saying, says the Lord. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> you, know, you know, my servant Jeremiah was telling the truth, but these other dudes, they weren't. But you swallowed it because you wanted to hear it. So, yes, the prophets were at fault, but you're also at fault, people, because you were listening. You didn't test it. It says they saw pronouncements for you that were empty and misleading. Let's drop down to verse 17. And it says the Lord has done what he planned. He has accomplished his decree, which he ordered in the days of old. He has demolished without compassion letting the enemy gloat over you and exalting the horn of your adversaries. Verse 20, the word says, Lord, look and consider to whom you have done this. This is Jeremiah talking to the Lord. Lord, look and consider to whom you have done this. Should women eat their own children, the infants they have nurtured? Should priests and prophets be killed in the Lord's sanctuary? So this is Jeremiah witnessing people, you know, cannibalism, people eating their own children because they were, there was no food. They were so hungry. And he's witnessing the priests and the prophets being killed in the sanctuary, in the temple. He says, Lord, have, are, you, are you seeing this? Do you know this is going on? You know, because I think Jeremiah is, is not, it can't, it doesn't jive with him, you know. Lord, these are your people. What's going on? Verse 22, it says, You summon those who terrorize me on every side, as if for an appointed festival. On the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. Then he says, My enemy has destroyed those I nurtured and reared. And so, you know, as a prophet and priest, you know, you, you're a shepherd. You overlook people, right? And you can consider them your children. It says, my enemy has destroyed those I nurtured and reared. And so this is Jeremiah pouring out his heart. Lord, do you see this? I raised these people. I fed these people. And my enemy has destroyed them. Lord, what are you doing to me? What's it? There's anguish here. Let's go to chapter 3. And it says, uh, hope through God's mercy. And it says, I am the man 
I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. It says in verse 4, 5, and 6, He has worn away my flesh and skin. He has broken my bones. He has laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. This is Jeremiah telling telling folks, anybody who will listen, what the Lord has done to him. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He's paid a significant price to serve the Lord. But regardless of his anguish or what he felt he was going through, whether he felt it was fair or not, he faithfully served the Lord all the days of his life. Verse 16, it says, He ground my teeth with gravel and made me cower in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought, my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. So then he said, well, I'm toast. I have no hope. All I'm seeing is death and destruction. There's just no hope for me. However, he says in verse 19, remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. He says in verse 20, I'll continually remember them and have become depressed. So he's still despondent. He's still despondent. But in verse 21, he says, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. He says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. So he recalls this. This comes in his mind. He's feeling down. He's feeling depressed. He's feeling anxious. He's just, he's just through with life, basically. He says, but then this comes to mind. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. And see, so there's a lesson here, right? So we all hit those times and seasons when we just feel like everything is against us. We just feel like nothing is working, life sucks, everything is bad, and we just can get into this, this mindset of, of death, desolation, depression, uh, never going to uh, emerge from this. But then Jeremiah says, but then I remembered this. Because of the love, because of the Lord's faithful love, I will not perish, for his mercies never end. Now, many people who have been God-believing people have died, obviously. And some have died in, in, in uh, states of despondency and other things. But the word says here, Jeremiah says, we do not perish. Now remember, from God's perspe- perspective, death is not the end of life. Death as we know it is not the end of life. He has an eternal perspective on this thing. See, a lot of times we only look at physical life as we know it. But his vision is much different. He has a different spectrum. He has a different scale. And so it says, for his mercies never end. It says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. So remember, these words come to Jeremiah when he's at his lowest. When he's at his lowest point, he remembers this. Hallelujah. Then it says, uh, verse 26, it is good to wait. It is good to wait quietly for for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. What does this mean? 
It means that it's, it's good for a man to bear the yoke, to come under the tutelage, to come to the recognition and whatnot of God, of the Lord, while he is still young. This doesn't mean that old folk can't come to that. This doesn't mean that old folk can't come to a revelation of God. This doesn't mean that old folk can't come to a revelation of the Lord as Savior. It just means that he's saying that it's better for a young person to do so than for an old dog. Because when you're older, you have to deal with a lot of stuff in your head that you have to get cleared out. But it's better if you're young. Then it says, uh, verse 31, For the Lord will not reject us forever. Even if he causes suffering, he will show compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. For he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. Sometimes we can read the word and it can seem like the Lord is enjoying bringing his wrath on people. No, what's, what's coming from the Lord is his anger because his people defied him and he did not want them to experience this wrath. But they chose to because they chose to be sinful and wicked and evil. And they chose to disregard what he was saying. Therefore, he had to release his wrath, but he never wanted to. It wasn't something that he was enjoying. See, it was, it's like discipline your children. You know, if, if when you discipline your children, um, you do it because you do it for their good, because they may do something stupid that's going to uh, cause them harm, and you don't want them to do that. And so you discipline them to make sure they don't do that. See, because if they do, the consequences could be dire. And so the Lord is pouring out his wrath because his people have not listened to him, because they don't understand what is to come to them if they don't listen to him. He knows, but they don't know. Let's see. Let's drop down to verse 39. It says, why should any person ever complain, any man, because of the punishment for his sins? This is an awesome question that Jeremiah is asking. He said, why should anybody complain about the punishment they receive because of their sin? See, <laughs> When we sin and we get punished for it, <coughs> in my opinion, we should just acknowledge the sin and accept the punishment. Because the punishment is to keep us from experiencing something even worse if that sin doesn't get addressed. And so the Lord is trying to divert us from that something worse by punishing that sin. He can see the something worth we can't necessarily see it. And many of us don't even believe that that's something else exists. But through his punishment, through his discipline, he's trying to keep us from allowing sin to author our death and destruction. In verse 40, it says, let's examine and probe our ways and turn back to the Lord. As we navigate life, as we go through life, whether we hit bumps in the roads or whatever, we should be, in my opinion, in a constant state of examining and probing our ways. And if we have diverted path, if we have gotten off track from following the Lord, from doing his work, from, from, from heeding his commands, if we have done that, then we should self-correct. See, And we can only do that through examination and probing. Self-correct, turn back to the Lord, and keep on trucking. 
Because if we don't self-correct, we're going to be corrected. And that correction from outside forces most likely is going to be much, much, much harsher than a self-correction. Verse 42, it says, We have sinned and rebelled, you have not forgiven. And so the Lord has not forgiven us of our sins if we don't first acknowledge our sins and then turn back to his righteousness. It's called repentance. And then we can be forgiven. Then those sins can be forgiven. If we don't do that, he's got no obligation to forgive those sins. And we do it in our act of repentance. It has to be sincere. It's not just words. It's not just something said like, I'm sorry, and then keep on doing what you're doing. No, it's our heartfelt repentance. We turn from the wicked way and get on the righteous path. Let's go down to verse 55. And the word says, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not ignore my cry for relief. You came near uh, whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. Yes. Let's go to chapter four. It says, terrors of a besieged city. And we see in verse four, the nursing baby's tongue clings to the roof of his mouth uh, from thirst. From thirst, infants beg for food, but no one gives any. Those who used to eat delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those who were reared in purple garments uh, huddle in trash heaps. Purple garment was a sign of of well-doing, of wealth. It says now they're living in trash heaps. It says in verse 6, The punishment of my dear people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in an instant without a hand laid on it. So they're saying, look, this, this thing that we're going through is long and drawn out. At least with Sodom, it was in an instant, you know, they were gone. But we're experiencing this long and drawn out punishment. <clears throat> it's not just, you know, being over for us. In verse 9, it says, the slain by the sword are better off than those slain by hunger. You know, those slain by hunger who waste away, pierced with pain because the fields lack produce. And so their thing is prolonged. In verse 10, it says, The hands of a compassionate woman have cooked their own children. They became their food during, their, uh, during the destruction of my dear people. So again, Jeremiah is witnessing this. Mm. And finally, in chapter 5, it says, Prayer for Restoration. Verse 1, Lord, remember what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are widows. We drop down to verse 11. It says, women have been raped in Zion, virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders shown no respect. <laughs> Jeremiah is witnessing all this. Can you imagine witnessing you know, people being raped, girls being raped, and there's nothing you can do about it? You know, in a city that was once prominent and prosperous, this is what has happened. Drop down to verse 16. It says, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Verse 19 says, you, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you continually forget us, abandon us for our entire lives? Lord, bring us back to yourself so we may return. Renew the days, uh, renew our days as in former times. So he's pleading with the Lord. Lord, take us back, please. 
renew our days like it used to be, unless you have completely rejected us and are intensely angry with us. And that is the end of the book. There's, there's no resolution here. There's no happily ever after here. So Lamentations, again, is a book that, that, that Jeremiah is, we see is crying out to the Lord because of what he has witnessed. He has lamented his life and what he has seen, you know. But he had never abandoned faith in God, never. He got down to his lowest point and he turned. And he still cried out to the Lord. It's a lesson for all of us. And with that, we will conclude uh, today's episode. And we will start with the book of Ezekiel tomorrow. Everybody take care. If you haven't called Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, do so sincerely from your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and the Word says that you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal death and destruction that you will live in eternity with the Lord. And with that, take care, be blessed, and we'll pick it up in Ezekiel tomorrow. Bye-bye now.